When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire would like to give a couple free gifts away to the Moving Iron Podcast listeners. One is a, a an Alliance flashlight and an Alliance baseball cap. So if you want one of those, send email to market at axontire.com and they will make sure to send that over to you for free so if you also if you want to be one of the first 150 people to sign up for the moving iron summit axon will give you a 50 dollar discount to all the to those first 150 people so interested in doing that go to the moving iron llc website which is moving iron llc.com in the upper right hand corner click on the moving iron summit tab and fill out the information there valley transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years call parker at 800-657-4910 for your trucking needs at Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. Powered by Farm Equipment, AgDirect is, is built for today's agriculture with simple application, quick responses, and competitive rates and generous flexible terms. AgDirect offers buy, lease, and finance options on almost all types of new and used equipment, non-recourse and timely funding back to the dealership, plus sales incentives to other no other ag equipment lender works like AgDirect. Learn more by calling your AgDirect territory manager at 888 525 
888-900-9805 or visit us at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and optional pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks, the Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership to create connected customer experience to transform how you work today. I've got Sean Hackett on here from Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. Nice enough to come on and talk about what's happened. So Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm I'm doing really, really good out of McCook, Nebraska. McCook, Nebraska. Just in time for a little bit of snow, so you don't don't get too get the opposite of what you're normally used to. You get some snow and, and some cold. And- yeah, they're calling for around three inches or so and you know, 35 mile winds and uh you know. Looks like I, th- I think it's a good day to go for a walk. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And that's just, that's Nebraska right there for you right there. <laughs> 35 mile an hour winds. Can't can't live without them. Nope. The other. But I, but I did I did I did rent a big truck, so I'm 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 good. Oh, there you go. It's nice big truck. drive. Four wheel drive. drive. Uh, you know, that sucker's going to make it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> all right man yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff to talk about today um you know you talked a little bit about it um in uh probably about a month or so ago but we've fallen into a a, a geopolitical uh cycle where you, you see these cycles fire up every about every seven years or so i think is what you said and and, and uh we're we're definitely seeing one now so we got the stuff with ukraine and and russia still going on and you Ukraine's asking uh, the UN to help kind of stop Russia from blocking uh, the transport of grains out of the, the corridor area that, that you see happening there. Um, you've got the whole China US balloon thing um, that they're all Chinese are all fired up about. And so as you take a look at this, there's a lot of this geopolitical unstableness on top of everything else we have ongoing with the econ- economic unstableness that we see, Sean. I guess taking a look at this. How are you seeing the market react to this, and 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 what do you what are your thoughts on, on moving forward here? You know, I mean, generally speaking, um, you know, when you get into geopolitical escalations, um, it tends to cause governments to spend more money, print more money, um, and it tends to disrupt the travel or the flow of commodity goods, and it makes everyone worried about availability of supply. Um, And so everyone starts to panic and starts to look at what they need the most. Do they have it? And if they don't have it, they better go get it before something happens where they may not be able to get it for a while. Um, And remember, all we know is Russia, Ukraine, and possibly Taiwan and China, but a, a geopolitical cycle means an escalation of the cycle into 2026, 53.5 year cycle. And it means there's a lot of stuff that's going to come that we're not even aware of right now. That's going to be added to the pot of what we already know. Um, you have no doubt in my mind, Middle East is going to get involved in this. No question in my mind, somehow, sure. some way right. the Middle East is going to get involved in this in a big, big way. And that's probably your next shoot to drop to bring in the Middle East into this. And at some point, you know, the way these 53.5 cycles are, it does become a global altercation. It becomes a global geopolitical event, war, whatever you want to call it, where everyone is getting involved at some point. I don't think we're quite there yet. I think it's going to 
you know, some dominoes have to fall first, but I think the Middle East is the next place to, um, to get drawn into this, I think. And you know, once again, when I'm looking out at uh, all the, that, uh, the food and the energy that are impacted by Europe and Ukraine and Russia, you know, it just seems to me that upside price risks due to geopolitics are going to continue to surface like they always have through history. We always, in our presentations, we always show a chart that goes over how commodity prices tend to surge into these geopolitical peaks because of everything we just said. So, so that's something that's not going to go away. And it's, it's additive to, you know, other factors right now with China's China coming out of COVID and other things that we think are going to lead to a fairly favorable environment for commodities to have a rebound in the back half of 23. That's our general overall view on overall commodity prices. Right on. So looking into um, some of the stuff that we see going on, you know, we've got some, some uh, crash reports and, and that have come out that show um, obviously like we talked about some increases in what we've seen across the board there and looking at that. And you've talked about, um, seen some reports about you know uh, palm oil out of uh, out of the uh, Indonesian and those areas, Malaysia and what have you, in those areas where you're seeing an increase there, Sean. So I guess taking a look at that at that palm oil thing, and you know India is talking about um, their uh, soybean mill and being exported at record rates. A lot of stuff right now around that that vegetable crush, a uh, soybean crush um, arena. I guess so. Looking at that, Sean. What are your thoughts there, and how does that affect what you see happening? <clears throat> well, we know this crazy U.S. policy to develop renewable diesel. By the way, for those that aren't aware, the difference between renewable diesel and biodiesel is renewable diesel is actually, you can use it as diesel, like it's refined fuel, whereas biodiesel is not refined fuel. So renewable diesel from bean oil is like, is like getting diesel from crude instead of getting diesel from bean oil. And if you look at how much of this we're going to need, um, at the, you know, any time from late this year into 25, how many soybean acres we're going to need. And you look at the drought we've, we're, we still are enduring here in Argentina, the number one exporter of bean oil in the world. And you look at policies in Indonesia to produce more, produce renewable diesel, Vegetable oil, you know, and then you have, of course, sunflower oil in Ukraine. I mean, vegetable oil is just is in a, is in a pickle. It's in a pickle. And um, I don't know. You know I, I, I've talked to a lot of people who are supposedly smarter about this whole arena than I am. And no one really has any idea how this is going to work out other than I think it's going to be pretty chaotic. And there's going to be some significant price spikes to the upside from it because the government, I don't believe, has thought this through very carefully. And remember, People don't really realize how much vegetable oil is used in almost every food we eat. It's right. a huge, hugely Big important yep. uh, human consumed product. And if we're going to take a ton of it and use it for energy fuel instead, it's a big deal. And um, so I look at all that and I just, you know, that, that is just something that I think is another one of those bullish levers that are going to be pulled later on in the year and it's going to cause um, some supply demand dislocations. Obviously, the Argentina drought very, very poorly timed because they just so they dominate the export of, of bean oil, and they're not going to have the supplies to 
export in the upcoming 12 months like they normally would. So everything is saying that it's just really, really tight supply. Now, the flip side of all of this, later in the year, we're gonna everyone who crushes beans is gonna produce a lot of bean meal. So that means that we're gonna have a lot of bean meal here in the US that we won't know what to do with. So the way we're looking at it, Casey, is that US raw soybean exports have to fall significantly. You can argue they have to fall zero to really make it work if you can believe the demand that's coming. Um, and we're gonna replace that export with becoming the number one exporter of bean meal in the world because that's what we're going to be doing is taking all those raw beans, using it to make bean oil instead of exporting it to countries who then crush it. But we're gonna be producing all this meal that we don't need. And instead we're going to sell the meal to the world. We're going to be the bean meal exporter of the world is what it looks to me. This is how we're going to morph. We're, going to, we're totally changing the way the normal supply food chain is working here in the soybean complex. It's a dramatic change. And I don't think the market's ready for it. I mean, uh, and I don't think the government has thought it through, but so, so this is a big transition. And I, you know, I don't, I don't think the market's going to go through a big transition like that and have everything just act normal. It's going to take a while to reestablish, oh, no beans from the U.S. Bean meal from the U.S. You know, it, the, the, the food chain is going to have to be, uh, the plumbing is going to have to be redone. And so I think with that, there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting price distortions from it. And most of it, from what I can see, is going to be the upside. Whether that means lost corn acres uh, because of it or lost wheat acres because of it or, um, you know, Brazil has a bad crop and they're the go-to person for raw soybeans and wheat and because we're not selling it anymore. You know, it's really going to be interesting to see how all this plays out, Casey. So I, I look at all of that and I just wouldn't, you know, if I'm a, if I'm one of these processing plants that's Spend all this money to get ready to make renewable diesel out of bean meal. I mean, out of soybeans. I, gosh, I sure I'd make sure I got myself buttoned up before I got that plant finished because I don't know, you know, what they're going to have to pay for that later in the year if things get chaotic. Um, and the other thing is, if buyers of raw beans aren't getting it from Brazil and they need to get it from us then they're going to have to pay our soybean price high enough so that the soybean crushers don't make any money crushing right. the bean. Meaning, yeah. so, so, so if we are going to export soybeans, it's going to have to be at a price that cuts off, kind of like what happens with ethanol. Corn gets too high, the ethanol plants can't make money, they pull back, and, that, and then it frees up corn, right? It's going to be the same thing. As, so what price of soybeans will, will be needed so that the crush margin plus the subsidy. Remember, the government's handing a bunch of money out. So that net, what's the price of soybeans have to be so that the exporter is paying a price that they that, that's, that the processor can't pay? I haven't done the exact calculation and it depends on a lot of moving pieces, but it's substantially higher than we are right now. Um, yeah. so, so, so I don't, you know, like I said, I'm not smart enough, Casey, to know how all this is going to play out, but I sure think there's upside Prices, especially if we get any kind of weather problems this summer, like we're anticipating with El Nino being delayed and potential Glassberg cycle, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, just a lot of things going on right now that says to me that this correction in commodities um, and this uh, current uh, depression we've seen in commodities for the last year, um, you know, we strongly think that, you know, this first quarter we're, we're putting up, we're carving a low out in 
the overall commodity complex. And I think as we start to get into the second quarter onward, some of these levers, you know, taking the SPR off the market, was that due to crude oil? Right. Just a lot of things, Casey, just a lot of things. And I, uh, it's exciting time, but you know, if I'm a, if I'm a buyer of a lot of these physical things and you, and you're getting a, a fertilizer prices are, you know, on the low side of the market, there's a lot of things on the buy side right now, cash wise that you can do that you couldn't do six months ago at a much better level. I would be taking advantage of it. If I'm on that side of the cash ledger right now. All right. So I had, add insult to injury here you've got the very southern edge of uh brazil's soybean growing area that have really have some strong concerns over drought situations they have there that are being persistent <clears throat> that are not um not clearing themselves up and they're they're worried that there could be uh they could reduce the soybean crop in that particular area by about 40 percent which would bring it down from uh a, a huge amount of, of, of soybeans. Yeah, I mean, at, at it, it, it's, it, South Brazil is going to be down. That's, I mean, that draft's been horrific. It's definitely going to be down. Of course, you know, the Northern and central has been really, really good. So it's still going to be an overall good crop, but it's not, it's not as big as it could have been. Right. had the Southern region has been good. Um, the other issue is that I don't think people, a lot of people understand this, that the, that Brazil had its third coldest growing season in 50 years, this growing season, third coldest in 50 years. That means that the beans are late in developing, late in maturing. A lot of the plant, uh, the harvest delays, which many have attributed to rain, which some areas have seen that in the central and northern areas, a lot of it's due to it's not ready to harvest yet. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's delayed. It's uh, the, the maturation is delayed. Um, and so, of course, that means that those supplies are going to be delayed coming to the marketplace. Um, if they're delayed too long, you know, you, you give more chances for Mother Nature to do something, to clip it a little bit. And of course, I'm, the more importantly, it means that the second crop safrina corn that comes in behind it gets delayed, which is which is already starting to get delayed. And if it gets delayed too much and you start pushing maturation and corn pollination out into April and May, the dry season starts in April and May in Brazil you know, then you start having to take the top off the corn crop and say, well, it's, it could be okay, but not great. You know, these are all things that are going on right now that are just, you know, of course we know, we know Argentina is a disaster. So when I look at all this, I know we've talked about it on the show before, but I, I it's Brazil's not going to, is not going to have net aggregate production. That's going to be big enough to save the day. It's just, it's okay. It's going to kick the can down and grow a little bit, but we absolutely haven't solved the problem and we're going to need a big U.S. crop. And if Mother Nature says maybe not, then we have a problem in the market because the markets are not priced correctly for that. Um, but, you know, that, that's not today. That's not tomorrow. But that seems to me to be coming. And one thing I also want to mention, Casey, on something to pay attention to, Strasphere is really messed up right now. It's, it's just it's in significant destabilization. Um, the upper stratosphere has warmed very, very significantly, and it looks like we could get a little bit of a connection to the troposphere, the lower stratosphere. We've talked about this in years past. Um, and while I'm not expecting this to be a long-term affair, uh, it does look like we could get a uh, short and sweet and kind of like what happened in December. You know, it was like two weeks of like the coldest temperatures anyone has ever seen in many areas. And then it just went away. Um, it, it looks like we could be set up for another one of these one to two week crazy record cold blasts 
like near the end of the month into the first part of March, I'd be keeping an eye on natural gas. You know, I'd be keeping an eye on obviously winter wheat. Uh, a lot of the warmth that we've had has melted a lot of snow, and uh, it, it, this, there could be significant areas of, of soft red winter wheat and hard red winter wheat that are going to be exposed to something like this. So I think that's something to, to kind of pay attention to. Um, I think it's a good, there's a good chance we could get something for a list that, you know, a quick shot, but it could be pretty severe and it could really set, you know, the natural gas market, which is under three in the nearby and obviously the wheat right. market could set some, some, some short-term fireworks there. So, you know, if you're someone that needs near-term wheat or near-term, you know, natural gas or propane, you know, I just be a little careful. Um, it, it could be pretty severe. At least I don't, like I said, I don't think it's been, it's, it's, it's going to be like a month long of this. I think it could be short and soon, but it, 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 it has the potential to be like coldest temperatures seen anywhere in, in, in a good swath of, of the Midwest and the, and the East, you know, it has to potentially be like what it was in December, just really, really crazy cold for one to two weeks. So keep that squarely in your mind. It's it. I think there's a really good chance this could um, deliver here. So okay, right on. And you're you're seeing back to your point on the winter wheat side. You know, you got France out there lowering their wheat export forecast and what that looks like too. So it's just even even a bigger thing all the way around there show so all right so cattle and hogs talk about those for a little bit so if you're looking at cattle and hog situation um you're still seeing some <clears throat> some things where you see some strong you've seen some strong gains this week um in hogs and you've seen um a similar thing um on the verse side on the cattle side so i guess looking at those two markets sean what are your thoughts there hog prices in um Europe are at all-time record highs because of what happened last year with the mass herd liquidation, the terrible drought, the lack of feed. Um, China's hog prices started to surge. They've continued to battle African swine fever. They're reopening. They're going to need a lot of meat protein. Pork is cheap. The U.S. has not grown the hog herd in four years, and they're now losing money in hogs um, at the current prices. You know, uh, we know that the cattle cycle is impossible to turn the cattle cycle around anytime soon in terms of the low animal feeding units. So, so, so the whole situation with livestock in terms of the amount of animals that are going to be available globally to come to packing houses to feed which should be a robust period for at least Asian demand um, is not going to be there. And so, you know, the back half of 23 into 24 should be a pretty exciting time. And if we get El Nino later in the year into 24, we get big grain crops, we get cheap feed prices. That's when you rebuild the herd. <laughs> that's when you re that's when you rebuild the, the chicken flocks. That's when you rebuild the hog herd. That's when you rebuild the cattle herd. That's when you go into herd rebuilding mode. And that's when you get your least amount of available supply of animals coming to the marketplace. I still worry near-term demand is going to be challenging, meaning the demand from here to the second quarter, I think it's going to be challenging. <clears throat> and we've seen some hiccups in hog prices. We've, we've seen a little bit of a hiccup here in cattle prices. And I still think there's hiccups to come here 
heading into the second quarter because I don't think these demand side levers are going to show up uh, in time. And the animals coming to the market are not really going to cave in until we get into the third quarter, the back half of the year. So I'm still cautious on the livestock sector, um, you know, for a little while longer, but I'm pretty wildly optimistic that those that are in the livestock business have the potential to see what may be some of the best equity building opportunity to sell um, their product in late, you know, the back half of 2024 that they've ever seen, or one of the better best times they've ever seen to put equity in their businesses. So it's a, it's a little bit of a yin yang situation. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks, want to reach out to you and get more information about what it is you do in a hack of financial. What's the best way to do that? Website is hackett, H A C K E T T, advisors.com. They can check our Twitter page at, uh, at FerritX11, and they can also check our LinkedIn page if they just do a search for Sean Hackett or Hackett Financial Advisors. Sometimes we update some of the things that we do to see if what our work on markets and price forecasting could be of value to your <clears> listeners. <throat> Good deal. Well, Sean, I appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Anytime, Casey. Look forward to it as always. All right. Safe travels in the wintry north as, as you make your way, as you make your way through well the snow and the wind. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right. On. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to uh, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast and check out the um, Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. So check it out there. Go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related. And uh, if you want more information about the Moving Iron Summit, go to the upper right-hand corner. Click on the Moving Iron Summit tab. That's September 11th through the 13th. And if you want that $50 discount, be one of the first 50, 150 people to sign up. And you will get that discount. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go smart, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving higher in the 21st century.